I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. The subject of Hebrews 11 is faith. This morning we're going to see an example of faith in God despite discouraging circumstances. Faith in God despite formidable obstacles. We're going to see an example of trusting God to do what human reason says is impossible. And as we go through this chapter, my prayer is that we won't just be made to wonder at the achievements of the faith of these Old Testament saints. My prayer is that we would be shamed by their faith. My prayer is that we would be calling out to God and, God and saying to God, God, I want a like precious faith. I want a faith like this. I want, I want the kind of faith that the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4 overcomes the world. Because one thing is very clear to me, and that is that the faith spoken of in Hebrews 11 is radically different than the mental, theoretical, rocking chair faith that exists in most of our lives. Someone who loves me very much confronted me this week about something I had done in my life. It had a very profound impact on me, and, and as I prayed about it, I thought, you know what? I'm trying to do a God-sized job by human means. This chapter is all about the fact that we've got a God-sized job to do, yes, but we've got God to do it for us and through us. And that comes back to faith. And so my prayer is that we would be encouraged by these examples to live what we believe, to live by faith. Now you'll remember last week that we saw that the God of glory appeared to Abraham while he was living in Ur. And God told him to leave that place, to leave his father's house, and to go to a land that God would show him. And by faith, Abraham left and he went out not knowing where he was going. And when he got to the place where he was supposedly going, he lived there as an alien in the land of promise for a hundred years, dwelling in tents never receiving the promise. And what kept him going? Verse 10 of chapter 11 says, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was a man of faith. Ladies, let me ask you something. How do you think you would have responded if you had been Abraham's wife? We're going where? For what? Who says? Who? And he said, what? Children? You know, the Bible tells us that Abraham's wife was named Sarah. The name Sarah means princess. She was Abraham's half-sister. And in Genesis 12, 11, it tells us she was a beautiful woman. And from the Old Testament account, we know that she went with Abraham everywhere he went 
until she died at the age of 127. But we really get some insight into her character in the New Testament. If you turn over a few pages to 1 Peter chapter 3, we, we get a glimpse at Sarah. First Peter chapter three. <clears throat> it's a chapter speaking to wives. And it says in verse three, and let not your adornment be external only, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Sarah was, had a gentle and quiet spirit, she was submissive to Abraham. She hoped in God. She is the mother of all godly, submissive wives. She was a willing, submissive, godly wife. That's a pretty exciting resume. And then we read further about her back in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11. It says, By faith... Even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now, if you've got an NIV version, you'll notice that it attributes the faith of verse 11 to Abraham. And they base that on the fact that the wording here is a little arbitrary. In fact, the, the literal wording is that she received power for the laying down of seed. And they take it, well, Sarah couldn't lay down seed, so this must be a reference to Abraham. And I think it's also based on the fact that when we go back to the Old Testament account, we find that it gives little indication that Sarah showed much faith in God. But I think what they overlook is the fact that in verse 11, Abraham's name does not appear in the Greek. Only Sarah's name appears there. And in Scripture, oftentimes that word seed is just synonymous with offspring. So she produced offspring. And then they also overlook what we read in 1 Peter 3.5, and that is it says about Sarah that she what? She hoped in God. So Sarah was not only a submissive wife, she was a woman of faith. She believed God for a miracle. Now I want you to take your Bibles and go back with me to this account in Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to kind of skim through the account of this. In, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, the promise is made to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. And then when we come to Genesis chapter 13, we read in verse 16 where God says to Abraham, I want you to count the dust if you can, which you can't, but I want you to count the dust and so shall your descendants be. And then when we come to chapter 15 in verse 5, God says, Abraham, count the stars. So shall your descendants be. 
And then we come to chapter 17, and God changes his name from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude or father of a mob. Now, Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1 tells us that Abraham at this point in time was 99 years old. He gets his name changed from exalted father to father of a multitude. You know, you know how many kids he had at this point in time? He has one child named Ishmael, which he had by Hagar, the Egyptian maid of Sarah. But God says to him on this occasion in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 17, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. Kings will come from you. Nations will come from you. But you know what? He not only said that about Abraham, but right afterwards in verse 16, he says, not only will you be the father of nations, but I'm going to make Sarah the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Now, you know what Abraham did when he heard that? Look at chapter 17 and verse 17. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. God said, You're going to be the father of nations and Sarah is going to be the mother of nations. And Abraham thought that was so funny that he didn't just laugh. He fell on the ground laughing. And it tells us what he thought. He thought, will a man a hundred years old and his wife ninety bear a child? That's funny. And then if you look at verse 18, when he got up off the ground and recovered from his laughter, he said, Lord, use Ishmael. Lord, I've got this 13-year-old son. He would make a great human solution to this problem. Use him. And God's response in verse 19 is no. Sarah will bear a son and you'll call him Isaac and I'm going to keep my promise through him. And then we come to chapter 18. And the Lord came to Abraham. Three men showed up at the Oaks of Mamre. Those three men were two angels and the Lord. Abraham meets these men and, and it says he washed their feet and then he went and he picked out the, the best calf he could find and he had his servant prepare the calf and he went into Sarah and he said, Sarah, make some of those bread cakes that you make so well. And so they, they brought the meal out and they began to eat the meal. These three individuals and Abraham. And in verse 9, the Lord speaks up and says, where is Sarah your wife? And Abraham says, she's in the tent. And the Lord says, I'm going to come back next year at this time and she will have a son. Now, Sarah, like most wives, had good ears. She's in the tent. She hears her name. Where's Sarah? She hears this promise. A year from now, she's going to have a child. Uh, and it says in verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself. I like that. She, she's not like Abraham. She didn't roll on the ground laughing. She, she's got a gentle, quiet spirit. Abraham rolls on the ground laughing. She laughs to herself. And it tells us what she thought. She thought, me, an old woman, 
have a child. Now that's funny. And then verse 13, the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? Why does Sarah think she's too old to have a child? And then notice the question in verse 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? And then having asked that question, he repeats his promise. I'll come back next year and Sarah will have a son. And then in verse 15, Sarah comes out of the tent and says, I didn't laugh. You know, I just had something stuck in my throat. I, I wasn't laughing. It says because she was afraid. And then the Lord ended the conversation in verse 15 by saying, no, but you did laugh. Now I want you to think about it because Sarah really had a lot of reason to laugh. There were a lot of obstacles in the way of what God was saying. Humanly speaking, this was impossible. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 17 says she was 90 years old. Genesis 16.1 says she had never born any children. Genesis 11.30 says she was barren. I like the way the King James puts it in Genesis 18.11. It says it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Now in Romans 4.19, Paul makes that clearer when he says that her womb was dead. There was no life there and no possibility for life. God's promise, humanly speaking, was absurd. In fact, it was so absurd, it was humorous, and Sarah laughed. And that's why I think when we come to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, it begins with a familiar word. The Greek word is pastie, by faith. This word has appeared throughout this chapter. Pastie Abel, Pastie Enoch, Pastie Noah, Pastie Abraham, by faith. But what's interesting is here it says, by faith, even Sarah herself. That herself makes it emphatic. Even Sarah, who laughed at the idea initially, by faith, received power to conceive and deliver a child. Which tells me that apparently after God's visit and on the basis of God's Word, Sarah sobered up and believed God despite what the circumstances said. Now that's encouraging to me. Because sometimes we hear God's Word we don't always respond in faith. When I was younger, I heard the Word of God all the time I was growing up, and it didn't have an impact on me. And yet that doesn't mean it wouldn't at a future time. This encourages me as a minister because sometimes I speak the Word and you don't respond the way I want you to respond. But that doesn't tell me that you won't. This should be encouraging to us as parents. Parents, keep proclaiming the promises of God to your children because someday the light may come on. And that's what happened with Sarah. We read about her laughing and, and mocking the idea. It was ridiculous. It was absurd. And yet, you know what? When we come to the New Testament, we find Sarah in God's hall of fame. God's hall of faith. 
Sarah believed God in the face of formidable obstacles. She believed God when from a human standpoint it was hopeless. It was impossible. And you know something? God loves to have us trust Him in situations where the odds are against Him. In fact, I would suggest to you that true faith increases when the obstacles increase. Because when the obstacles increase, at some point I realize, you know what? I can't handle this. And my faith kicks in and I say, the only one I can cling to is the Lord. Faith is most nourished when the human streams run dry. One of my favorite accounts in the Old Testament is in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12 where it talks about the Moabites and the Ammonites coming up against Israel to destroy them. Israel is outnumbered and humanly speaking, it looks like curtains. Jehoshaphat prayed and this is what he said. We are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us and we do not know what to do. We are powerless and we don't even know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Have you been there? You're outnumbered, you're powerless, and what do you do? You look at the Lord. And you know what happened in that instance? He caused those armies to have a civil war on their way to the battle and they destroyed each other. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.9, Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. The sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, He on whom we have set our hope. God loves it when the odds are against us and Him because that's when we'll trust Him most and that's when He'll get the most glory. In Judges 6, 7, and 8, we read about Gideon. You remember Gideon? The Midianites came up against Israel. They had 135,000 soldiers. The Israelites were 32,000 strong. So they were outnumbered more than four to one. And God said, that's too many. I want you to send home everybody who's scared. Now sometimes I think about where I would be in the Bible if, if I were somewhere. I think I would be here. When they said, anybody's scared, I'd be the first one to raise my hand. We're outnumbered over four to one. Anybody among our soldiers who's afraid, go ahead and go home. Well, of the 32,000, 22,000 went home. That left 10,000 soldiers. That's more than 13 to one odds. God says that's too many. So he takes, has them go down to take a drink at the, at the riverbank. And everybody who kneeled down on the ground and drank out of the water went home. Everybody who pulled the water up to his mouth and lapped it like a dog got to stay. Only 300 drank that way. So only 300 stayed. That's 135,000 Midianites against 300 Israelites. That's more than 451 odds. And God looked at the situation and said, that's better. You see, God loves to do the impossible. And we need to learn to believe not only that He can, 
but that he will. You see, the odds were stacked against Abraham and Sarah. There was no way that they were going to have a child at the age of 190. But God asked Sarah, is anything too difficult for the Lord? And Sarah obviously got a hold of that concept. She believed God and she delivered a child by Abraham. You say, well, how could she believe something so humanly difficult? How could she believe against such tremendous obstacles? How could she believe against such great odds? Well, the answer is in Hebrews 11 at the end of verse 11. It says, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's the key. You see, she looked beyond the circumstances to the promise. And then she looked beyond the promise to the promiser. Martin Luther said, if you would trust God, you must learn to crucify the question, how? You see, we really don't need to ask how. We just need to ask who. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is He who calls you, and He will bring it to pass. God's promises get their stability and their dependability because of who He is. God promised Sarah a son and she laughed. But then later she considered Him faithful who had promised. She became pregnant and delivered a baby boy. And Genesis 21.6 says when that little baby was born, she said this, God has made laughter for me. And I love that. God turned her laughter of unbelief into laughter of joy because she trusted have you ever learned that it's better to laugh with God than at God? God makes His promise, she laughs at God. Then she trusted God, got the promise, and she laughed with God. In fact, I think it's evident in this situation that God has a sense of humor because He said, I want you to name that son Isaac. And you know what Isaac means? Isaac means laughter. God made the promise. Abraham fell on the ground laughing. Sarah laughed to herself because she had a gentle, quiet spirit. And when the, when the child was born, they spent their days calling him laughter, reminding them that God had turned their laughter of unbelief into his kind of laughter of faith, the laughter of joy. And then back in Hebrews chapter 11, we see the result of Sarah's faith along with Abraham's faith in verse 12. It says, therefore, also there was born of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. God made a promise. Abraham believed God. Sarah believed God and God fulfilled it. Some have suggested that the stars speak of the spiritual children of Abraham of which we are a part. They are innumerable. And that the sand speaks of the physical descendants of Abraham, which was the Jewish nation that came from Isaac. This verse also reminds us that Abraham was as good as dead 
And God not only gave strength to Sarah, she, He gave strength to Abraham. God gave Abraham's body power to do something that it couldn't normally do. In fact, you want to hear something exciting? When Sarah died, Abraham married a woman named Keturah and had six more sons after this. The latest being at least 37 years later. That's the power of God by faith. You know, Mark 10.27 says, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Do you believe that? Luke 1.37 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that? Luke 18.27 says, The things impossible with men are possible with God. Do you believe that? What are you praying for that can't be accomplished in your strength? What are you believing God for that only He can do? Someone said about Billy Graham, he believed God for things that others couldn't even imagine. That's quite a compliment. Listen, the God who can bring water out of a rock, who can make iron float, who can sustain two million people in a wilderness, who can stop storms and start earthquakes and multiply fish and raise the dead, can handle your needs. He can solve your problems and my problems. And He can keep His promises to us. We need to be more like Sarah and consider Him faithful who promised. I love Jeremiah 32.17. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thy great power and by Thy outstretched arm Nothing is too difficult for thee. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can do anything? Do you believe that He can keep His promises to us? Do you really believe that one day you're going to get a new body? Do you really believe that when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for them, that He has prepared a place for us? Do you believe that city described in Revelation 21 is an actual place that we're going to dwell in forever? Do you really believe that this is your temporary home? Do we really believe the promises of God? If so, then let's live like it. I'm going to have the praise team come back. We're going to sing again that song that says, Lord, I want more of You. Because that's what it's all about. It's less of me, more of You. That's what faith is. Let's sing that and remind ourselves today as we get ready to leave here that we need to be people of faith that believe God for the unbelievable.